0: what is up everybody this is the wrestling with god podcast we are here to have real talk interesting questions and true discipleship i'm one of the hosts curious clark and on today's episode you know we got a surprise for you actually we don't really have a surprise for you because you know from the title it's called the huddle where Scott teaches, but you know what? I forgot to do one important thing. And I always forget the introduction part. That, you know what, I'm not a professional theologian or a biblical scholar. I'm just your average, ordinary dude who learns from professionals like Pastor Scott and others alike. And so, but today, hey, we are going to be talking about the men we need chapter two. And this one is all about how to protect the vulnerable. And we're going to see today that your neighborhood should be safer simply because you are there. We are there as men designed by God to be protectors and defenders of the vulnerable. And so without further ado, here is Pastor Scott.
1: So today we are going to uh, discuss uh, protecting the vulnerable with a lot of good stuff to talk to uh, or to talk about today. And uh, so let's kind of dive right in. Do you guys have a chance to read this? Everybody pretty much caught up. Yeah, I think you'll get a lot out of it, even if you if you're not caught up. No big deal. Um, but let's start with this kind of idea that uh, that your your neighborhood, that the people that are around you, near you, should be safer simply because you're there. Uh, let's let's talk about men, for example, uh, for for a second, in particular young men. Uh, so, eighty percent of all violent crimes are committed by men. Sorry, guys, this is the way we are, right? Um, and most violent crimes are committed under the age of twenty-five. So, uh, young men in particular have a potential, have this potential to become very dangerous. And I want to ask that question: like, what makes a, a dangerous young man? What is you know uh, what is it that um, will push someone? who God created with these specific and really powerful uh, and beautiful urges to, uh, to push farther and faster, to go hard at life, to, um, to meet it head on. What, what would push somebody to become, become dangerous? Um, obviously, you know, we could go on. It's like it's bad role models. Um, but I, I would say uh, a, lot of, a lot of what our culture offers today uh, is just a lot of free time. That's a lot of, lot of extra time. I think, I think that um, the more I, I, I meet with and I talk to and I counsel young men, um, some of the stuff that I find myself saying to these men runs, runs something like this. You are way too, uh, you're way too um, just not rung out in your life like you should be. So here's what I mean by that. Like When I, when I get home at the end of the day, I want to work really hard and I want to go to bed tired, like actually tired. That is the best feeling to know that you have worked really hard and you go to bed, you, you come home and like when you get uh, when you get up to that point where you're driving in your driveway, like I mentally have to go. I'm about to walk into this house and I'm not going to start demanding that everyone serve me and give me my time off. But I'm going to have to get, you know, I'm going to have to face my son. I'm going to have to check in to, to, with his heart. I'm going to have to check in with my wife, check in with her heart. And, uh, and, and so I've got to, uh, there's some more work to do before I can retreat into my little world and start relaxing. Because the goal isn't to, isn't to relax at the end of the day. The goal is to go to bed tired. And I just find so many young men in particular um, have, um, have just a ton of free time. And that free time, it's called me time, it's my gaming time, it's my, you know, I, I, and, and, and it's this idea that, um, and it's never in human history, it's never been offered to us. Like the idea is that you could do that, it's, it's, not even, it's not even on the menu for our ancestors, right? If you didn't do that, if you didn't work, you just didn't live, you didn't eat. And uh, unless you're an arist- you know, aristocracy or something like that. But for the most part, uh, people just, they didn't, you didn't work, uh, you didn't eat. So I, I just like the idea that, uh, you know, young men can be, become dangerous uh, with not enough free time. Um, so the thing that I want to, uh, and, and it, because I, I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that we have young men in here, and I, I, I want to I be really clear, young men are a gift. Young men are a gift, and so uh, they can be a gift to our neighborhoods. Young men are, are heroes. Um, like the, the idea of a of a young man is somebody that's willing to take risks. I really look back at it in my twenties, and I was willing to do things back in my twenties that I don't even wouldn't even think about now. Like it was just, but it was an incredible gift in my life to be able to push in ways that um, and to take risks in some ways that I wouldn't consider now as a married man. You know, um, I was given a desire for adventure. I would do crazy stuff like go camping out in the. Well, by the way, this this is not a, this this one actually occurred while I was married. But I do some things like multi two, three four days out in the woods in the snow. You know, like I uh, asked my wife how that was for her sitting at home wondering, you know, where is he even? But uh, but I would take those risks as I was young. You know, um, liked adventure, like pushing the envelope you know, and things like that. So there's something really built into men when they're younger. That's actually really beautiful. Uh, I look at, um, just the way that God is shaping my boy, even at 15, almost 16. And, uh, and man, he's really starting to feel that like urge to do and to try things. And I just really, I feel like honoring that too, is not just saying that young men are dangerous because they don't have to be. Um, but it just, it's just good to understand that this is sort of the, the framework, um, that, uh, you know, it's a good thing that God has made this in our young men. It's not there to, like, prompt them. What he, I think what, what he says, Brant says, is that it's not there to prompt them to drive 140 miles an hour down a freeway and put the whole family at risk, right, or to put another family at risk. But it's the use of our power, our size, our athleticism, um, and that God-given desire and drive to do something that's, uh, that we can use to defend And not not to put people at risk and not threaten them. So, um, you know, wherever we are, uh, we should be around. And even if people don't know it, they should just simply be safer because we're there. Um, So we got to have a conversation on this thing. (laughs) Let's have a talk on mouse utopia for a second. So that that is a crazy crazy setup. And I, I... I was stunning. Like I, I, re- I read that over and over again, like a couple of times. Just a, and then I went and looked it up and online and read the whole story. There, it's actually even worse than what he he, su- he suggested. But this is it. This is Mouse Utopia. Um, I was imagining something. Yeah. I mean, smaller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not. Not that. <laughs> I know, like, look at it. You can just see, like, all the water bottles and everything. And then these, like, the food, they're just... All they have to do is walk up there, and they, they can get all they want, you know? It's just... It's insane. I don't know how he gets... I, I was questioning, like, how did he get in there? Or out. Or, or, or out, yeah. But anyway... Why would you get in there? <laughs> yeah, why would you get in there, exactly?
0: Photo opportunities.
1: <laughs> so, if you're not familiar with the story, it's basically this utopia that they created to give the, the mice... Everything that they need, uh, every, you know, a- a- absolutely, absolute comfort, absolutely all the, the water they can drink, all of the food that they can eat. It's a, it's a complete blissful society, and they, all their needs are taken care of for them.
0: Even change their bedding
1: out. Even change their bedding out, and they're cleaning up after them, and everything. And the whole population explodes, and it becomes like huge, and then it collapses. And it collapses into this mayhem where there's fat mice just sitting around not interested in, you know, like even being a part of this society. They're just getting fat off Cheetos and Cheeto dust and not beer or whatever. I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, it just and in that collapse, the idea is that uh, that this decadent society can fail. Right. And and it did fail. And honestly, I don't I I mean, I think that's probably scientifically kind of difficult to draw a straight line from there to here but but i think what they did prove is that there's something in the mouse's nature that needs to struggle against life to sort of like pull and 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 fight and and have a purpose and you know uh, get their food by some struggle you know and 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 when it's all done for them they, uh, they they lose. They just lose their drive and will to live. And um, so, I mean, it's not like, I, I, I felt kind of like looking at this, that there was a couple of ways to go at it. Number one, you could look at like Rome, uh, Edward Gibbon in his famous book, Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, talks about how Rome fell into this, you know, decadent society and had all the food brought in from the outer, you know, uh, reaches of the empire. <laughs> so the Roman citizens were all super comfortable and, just like, you know, mice able to get whatever they wanted. This slave culture basically brought everything in on a plate and how it just became decadent and got corrupted within. And I think that that's an interesting social commentary. But what about you? And what about me? That's where it starts to get tough when you start looking at it. It's not, you know, um, we're, if we're keepers of the garden, you know, you and I as individuals, we're responsible to uh, be a source of life to those around us. And so... The idea there is like let's hold on to the sense the sense of our struggle that we are keepers of, keepers of a garden and that is a high calling but it's also something you put effort into you know I like just the effort to stay I think when you have uh, when you have a, a, a something that you believe in that's larger than yourself you stay more energized you have more focus you have more I mean you pay attention to stuff. You pay attention to life all around you and to people, and you're engaged. And when you're doing that, like you are, um, you're, a, you're, you're, you're a keeper of the garden that's going to make people safe when they're around you. They're going to feel safe when they're around you because you, you have that sense of purpose. Uh, there's a quote I wanted to read um, Gandalf quote on page 86. <laughs> I like this Gandalf quote. Um, Kind of talking about you know being a, a steward of those around us he says um the rule of no realm is mine neither of gondor nor any other great or small but all worthy things that are in my peril as the world now stands those are my care and for my part I shall not wholly fail of my task, though Gondar should perish. If anything passes through this night, that can still grow fair or bear fruit and flower again in days to come, for I am also for also I am a steward. Did you not know? So you know, basically saying the culture might be going through full mouse utopia; it might completely collapse. But if you and I can help anything pass through the night that can still grow fair or bear fruit and flower again in days to come. We have not failed. We have a job to do. We are stewards. So I love that. I love that idea. Um, the next section, he talks about what you do. What you do actually matters. And uh, that that one, um, kind of turning that one over in my mind a little bit, I was thinking kind of also the actually what we don't do matters as well, right? Uh, and, and I think there's, there's a passivity that can happen with us that we always look at something and and say, someone else, somebody else will take care of this problem. Somebody else will deal with this. And it, it, it's just, it doesn't have to be me. There's a story I wanted to tell you about kind of coming to this new building. And one of the things I knew about it is that God gave us this building to serve, you know, to serve the community. And uh, we've been partnering with this ministry called Family Promise. Uh, This is one of my favorite ministries that we do in the church. Uh, Like a lot of you guys have helped out with that, especially maybe in the last week. I know that Isaac has and others. And uh, actually Clark's mom leads the ministry here. But it's interesting because there's like two different levels of involvement for a church. One is they've got this... uh, uh, it's called Partner uh, partner Churches, and that's just kind of you come alongside and you just drop off meals and you sit with the families. It's really great, and we've been doing that for many, many years. But one of the things that um, I thought about is, hey, we should just do, we should be a host church. We've got all this space. You know, Should we o- open it up and have people come and stay here? And then when I started realizing all of the, you know, it's going to be like it's going to put a lot of responsibility on us that we wouldn't that we didn't have in the, uh, just being a host church. I mean, sorry, being a a a, a partner church, and and so I was like, oh man, there's going to be a lot to it. Well, and the thought occurred to me is like, well, there's probably lots of other churches doing that. You know, there's a lot of other host churches. Then come to find out, there really isn't, mm-hmm. and there really isn't a, a, other churches doing it. In fact, one of the main churches in town—I'm not going to say which—but they stopped doing it. And so I I thought, well, we, you know, it is on us. It's that opportunity that we get a chance to serve and do something that is harder, that takes a lot more effort and a lot more coordination. But we can't just assume that if we're not going to do it, that someone else will, that there's another church to step in and do it. Because in this case, there really wasn't. They were stretching those very few host churches around our area really, really, really thin. And so, um, so they were telling us that it was just a huge blessing that we said yes to it. So I just thought of that, and maybe you know what you do. Actually, seeing that problem in front of you is, is a big part of being the yeah, being the kingdom of God. Uh, this one, the ultimate betrayal, and uh, is becoming a threat. It's treason. I really I think that's a great word for it. It's a, it's treason. Um, and, and, and so is, by the way, passivity in the face of a threat, like seeing something happen, seeing something go down and not stepping in and not being that person that says maybe at your own risk, like, you know, this isn't going to happen. We're going to put a stop to this. Uh, that's 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 what God calls us to. I think like for the women that know you, and this is from him, this is one thing that Brant said, but for the women that know you, whether it's your sister, your mother, your neighbor, your coworker, it should be unthinkable, like unthinkable that you should ever harm them. This should be absolutely unthinkable. And, uh, but, but I like the, I want to add something too, that for the women who don't know you, you have to interact with these people, and 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 even knowing that your physical stature or your strength can represent a threat, that just our being and our physicality can be can be threatening. Is just always present ourselves to those who know us and those who don't know us as men who aren't threatening. That we don't use our body posture, we don't use our size, we don't use our threatening, um, bit, Like all, all of us are big, strong guys, right? I mean, we we have to learn not to throw that around and not to push, not to use it to try to get our way. And um, because that makes us the enemy, that makes us the, 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 big, the big threat and the, and the trees in there. Um, page 93 and uh, a really good section on what it looks like when guys step out of that and uh, he says in the case of marriage whether it's because your Adam like passivity your flirtation with other women your explosive temper or your subtle way you allow her to respect to suspect you don't care about her the word betrayal isn't too harsh think about it you took a vow for this woman She pinned her hopes on you. Whether she articulated it or not, she had a vision for you as a keeper of the garden, someone she thought could rise to the occasion and be a defender of the weak. She was willing to bet her future on you. And you're going to be a threat to her? You're going to make her feel insecure instead of adding to her security? Instead of cheering her on and promoting her and helping her take on the world, you're going to undermine her? So pretty powerful words. And it's just a, a reminder that uh, God has called us to be that exact opposite for, our, for the women in our life. You know, we, uh, they feel safe. They feel secure. They feel comfortable and supported. And I like the fact, too, that he goes further than just our physicality into the words that we use. And the kind of uh, the, the that part of that of the communication is because I I'm not I'm not a physically threatening person, but I I, I mean I tell you if I get angry my words can sting. I mean it's a it's a craft that I'm not proud to have honed for you know 50 years of my life, and uh, you know I, I I work hard at not letting that out, um, like with my kid or with anybody else. But um, you know our words our words can be biting, and so we have to always watch how we talk and watch how we interact and and uh,
0: so
1: how did you guys feel about i feel like this one's going to be a little controversial how did you guys feel about this one so let's talk about it a little bit so let's talk about it first off remember this isn't the inspired word of god this is one man's opinion but I do actually agree with what he's saying here. And this is coming from a man who is very much against coddling their children, okay? I do not believe in coddling. So sheltering is not the same as coddling, right? Uh, In in my opinion, you need to let kids experience defeat and disappointment. You need to let them struggle through failure or you're not doing them any good. Mm. You have to let your kids struggle. So coddling your kids is not the same as sheltering them. So if we get that out of the way, then I think we can shape this into a useful conversation. What is our job? What is our, our, our job as parents? Is uh, it, Number one is to shape their worldview. If you think that your kids are gonna pick up a worldview on their own, uh, you're just punting it over to the media, you're just punting it over to culture to shape their worldview, that has to be an active, ongoing, daily practice where you're like, hey. Um, the way you're thinking there that sounds like we need to make you know we need to have a talk about that right It's always is shaping constantly and by the way, it really works to do that well when you do it younger the younger that you can do it if you're just starting that conversation at 16, you've kind of already lost I mean you know in a sense. so we've got to shape their worldview and then another thing we've got to do is filter filter um, for them just just the, the, the world you know interpret we got to be an interpreter You know, like, uh, oh, that's what you heard. Well, here is what I think you should think about. You know, here's what you're learning at school. Here's what. And by the way, uh, I I will say this, that my son went to a really great Christian private education for his first, like, uh, you know, first grade through ninth grade or eighth grade. And uh, and then he went to Moscow High School. So I know from both sides in both institutions, we have had to filter the worldview in the private school, we had to filter. In public school, massively filter. So, so it isn't the school, it isn't you know the, the environment, it's just gonna be life in general. It's all about that. So my wife, uh, she actually came up with this really great uh, metaphor for it. And she calls it the backpack, the kid's backpack. And she's like, when they're young, I don't know where she got this, but she's brilliant. And she, she says, you know, like, what you want to do is you want to put, you don't want to just put a big 70-pound backpack on a five-year-old. So, like, you know, they come in and they say, you know, where do babies come from? Oh, let me tell you, that, you know, let's break out the charts and the diagrams and talk about homosexuality and everything, right? That's that's like loading up with a 70-pound pack. They're going to fall over. It's not going to make any sense. It's not going to be useful or practical. What do you do? You know, you throw in a, an, e- an easy one, you know, this is, well, you know, when moms and dads you know they love each other and then god gives them a baby right oh that's good i I accept that but a little bit later they're going to ask for more questions so in the sense of what sheltering and kind of um providing that framework is that as they get older then you can be more intentional about putting bigger things in their pack and now like when my son comes up to me and he's like Hey, this is the conversations that kids are having at school about gender and all this stuff. Like we can have really open, serious conversations because he can handle it. He's he 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 knows, he's he's asking questions and things like that. But there's even now some things which really upset him and bother him, in particular like the in the realm of the occult and evil and stuff like that that really still bother him. And and even for that, like I'll I'll protect him from that because he'll he'll lose sleep at night if he sees a movie with her like tor- He won't watch anything where there's any torture in it. He just can't and I, I applaud that like he He, he just it was a war movie nothing. He will not see it uh, He's just sensitive about that. So as a dad, I know that that's something in, in his case that I need to protect him from it. So um, Yeah, just so anyway thinking about like a backpack's pretty good. The bottom line is that your main task here is not to impart skills Although, by the way, it's super important that you do impart skills. You know, if, you're, um, if you have skills to impart, do it. But you don't exist. And this is a tough one for me because I almost cried when I read this. I'm like, this is almost exactly what I do do. You don't exist to make your kids marketable to the corporate world. Ouch. I don't know if you felt like that, felt that one like I felt that one, but sometimes I imagine Blaze out in the marketplace, and, and so I'm trying to like move him and, and guide him into that man that he can be competitive out in that space. And and I think that, that that's kind of there's something insidious about that, right? I, I don't know. I does somebody want to push against that? Because I think my goal is to create a, an adult who can take on the world, but his character is what matters there. It's not. Like, is he marketable in the corporate world? Like he, for example, he, w- he wanted to become a lawyer uh, for the longest time. And now with all the whole AI revolution and stuff, I sat down and I told him, you know, buddy, it's probably not a good idea to be thinking about law school. And, you know, lawyers are, you know, that's that whole industry is going to be swept by artificial intelligence. You don't know what's going to look like. And I could just see it like I was crushing the guy. Right. I'm trying to I'm trying to create his future for him. And I don't know. You know what I mean? It's this hard. It's hard. So, so I would. How would you? How, are you guys comfortable with this statement? You are here to shape character as securely and fully before they leave home. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That sound good. Yeah. Okay. So that's the goal.
0: Hmm. Well I really loved what Pastor Scott had to say One of the things that I took away Was that the coddling versus the sheltering You know I think so many parents Want to helicopter their kids And make sure that there's nothing that goes wrong And then there are the other parents that are like We gotta protect everything and do all this So that you know they, they, they're safe And you know it it, it or Sorry, I totally missed that The other parents are like oh, Just let them do whatever they want And the other parents are Hey, you gotta protect them from everything and I really love Scott's analogy of You know, when your kid's younger You put a little bit of rock in And then as they get older You put a little bit of rock, more rock in the bag Because they are getting stronger They know what to do in the same way, that's what we should do Interesting thing is when I was with my son I would have him uh he wanted to climb up our little cat tower and so I, I actually let him but I didn't let him on his own in the in the sense that when he was climbing it I was there that if he fell I would catch him um and so but it's awesome because now he just can climb anything i mean there is he was like three years old and he climbed like 10 or 12 or 15 feet up this tree on kamiak butte he was not that afraid i mean it was higher than i would go and and so um but yeah you know we need to be those people that are there to um you know, just help them, and, and not overbear them with the whole, the whole world all at once. They don't need to know all the horrors of the world. They're gonna learn that when they grow up. I mean, but anyways, I just appreciated this episode. It helped me out a lot, and I loved the chapters in it. And here's from one of the quotes that I took away from there's many quotes in this book that I take away from but this is one it says you do not exist to make your kids marketable to the corporate world and I believe Scott um, talked about that you are here to shape character as securely and fully as you can before they leave home leave your home I really like that and I really appreciate that because I, I've said it before, maybe not on this podcast, but I've said it before to other people that if you have your son have, a, or daughter have a character that is truthful, has integrity, hardworking, they're going to just about flourish in any part of uh, society because that's really... I mean, most companies now, I mean, I, like, honestly, with the way our culture is or the way economically things are running, I mean, all you have to do is breathe and you have a place. Like, if you show up and you're honest and you have integrity and you're hardworking and you have that character, that's going to fly way more in life than any other. I mean, you could be the best um Carpenter at your job, but if you're a a, excuse my language, but if you're an a hole and you're just not truthful, you're not going to get anywhere in life. I'm sorry, you're you're just not. So, I believe it's so important to shape your kids' character and how they do things. Like, you know, for example, yesterday, my, my son at walmart he wanted to buy or is that winco he wanted to buy these blue sprinkles and so he took it home and when he got home he opened i opened it for him and he just started eating it straight out of the bottle and i'm like okay you can do that but if you do that and if you get sick there is no brownies tonight for dessert and there is no hot cocoa that is a consequence that you will face if you get sick with eating blue sprinkles and so I gave him that little conundrum and voila like within a few minutes he didn't care for it he like he could tell on his face that he really thought about it and and so I just kind of sh- share with him the It's like hey you know if you do this this could happen and that that's the consequences that you took for that action and so that's what we want to instill our kids like hey if you do a B could happen do you really want to do a and shape their character to make them critically think about what could happen or vice versa you could say hey this could be hard now but hey you could have this later for example hey school's not very fun i tell my son that hey school's not very fun but guess what you're able to because of school you're able to count better and therefore when we play cards and we play war and you have a jack and I have a five, you automatically know that jack is higher than a five or a nine is higher than a five. And you you know, you are able to play with me. And that is a result of you being disciplined at school so that now you can have this fun and play a game with your your old man. And so that's what we wanna instill in our kids is integrity, honesty, hard work and so i just appreciated this episode and uh yeah i you know what i don't really have anything more other than that um but i just appreciate you guys being here today learning about this and you know got some really cool exciting stuff coming up for you guys i think i believe i mentioned it in the last episode and uh, several weeks I'm gonna be going over the book, The Holiness of God. And I the first episode to kind of share my vision of why I want to talk about the holiness of God and go through this book. And then I'm trying to think of another book to next to do. And I think I may be doing a Lee Strobel book after this one and the objections of the Christian faith and and hitting some hard questions that people have and so I don't know I'm really excited I hope you guys are excited too I'm starting to get a little bit more momentum on this podcast as it goes and we're just gonna see where it takes us we're gonna see where God leads us in this but yeah so super excited And yeah, that's all I got for you guys. So we're going to be back next week. God willing and God bless and peace be with you.